Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we chat about the draw against Swansea. Look ahead at Cardiff. We chat to the YYY files to get some insight on Bora's final home league game of the season against Stoke. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora Match Day chatter in a podcast. And this week, Bora travelled to Liberty Stadium and drawn 1-1 against Swansea City. A goal from Riley McGree and a hatful of chances weren't enough for Bora to get all the three points. Guys, Easter has came and gone, so back to normality for me. How are you feeling after that? Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, a little bit... um... Caught in between, I suppose, because it's a strange situation where Borough are definitely not mathematically out of the, the playoff hunt. But it did feel like yesterday was a little bit of a missed opportunity. But what one thing is for sure, there's absolutely no room for error the last three games that we have. Of course, we do have that game in hand, which I'm not going to fall into the trap of one of my pet peeves and say that, you know, that's um, uh, almost a given, like a little safety net of a, of a game. But yeah, it, it is a big opportunity and Borough simply cannot slip up now. We've got games done. Um, Tom, <laughs> how are you feeling? Obviously, big night last night as well, watching the fight too. So how are you feeling first and foremost, but then also how are you feeling about the Borough? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've been hit by a train this morning, mate, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm still in flares as of, like, what, eight hours ago, so, uh, yeah. But, um, no, the the Borough match, I, I thought was all right yesterday, the first half. I was I was shocked at the half-time stats in they'd had, like, 81% possession. Because, honestly, it, it, it didn't feel like that, like, watching it, but... Um, yeah, apparently I was watching it back, but then second half is like uh, you know basketball game, so end to end. The um, there was like a two minute period where like we both hit the crossbar. It was just reminiscent of uh, that playoff final. Um, I think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity with the chances that we had. Um, 
but I, I don't know. It, it's just because I felt like last week the season had kind of finished for us. I was I was still like a bit well, meh about it really. Um, like kind of already looking ahead to next season. But I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, as Dan said, it's still not math. math mathematically over uh Norum Ferreira in the last three games hopefully you know we win all three and then who knows what can happen but yeah it, it's it, we're relying on on others now but uh I, I didn't think it was too bad of a display uh yesterday really yeah it, it's it's if buts and maybes now but like we're saying it's not it's still mathematically possible Three wins can maybe get you that position, but who knows? Um, I think for me, I, I came away from that game thinking, God, how did we not win? But then also, how did we not lose that game? It was such a, a bizarre game of football. Um, the amount of chances that we had um, were incredible, and we 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 were lucky at times to probably stay in it as well. But let's chat about the game then, because Chris Wilde made one change to the side that lost a hole with Joshy Corbin uh, going in up front for Andras Spora. And Martin Piero returned onto the bench. Um, but Dana, how would you assess the performance against Swansea? It was a tale of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, the first mm-hmm. half, you can definitely file that in the category of 45 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. But I wasn't mad at how how it kind of played out. I think uh, Riley McGree said after the game that he thought we could have been better in the press. And I definitely agree with that. We were somewhat more conservative than I expected but we know what Swansea are like they're exactly the same um, at the Riverside in the reverse fixture they will break through the press and they will make you wear yourselves thin and Borough got to half time without uh, conceding and they have two very good players up front in Joel Perot and Michael Obafemi I mean 80% possession at half time they didn't really do too much with it which was which was good, but let's be honest, it was boring. Um, the second half, that we came out the traps a, a lot more. I think we pushed Housen onto Grimes. He was dictating the play from deep, as he was in the reverse fixture as well. Um, and I think we were more aggressive in our press, but it did leave us a little bit exposed. I think that's why we had that basketball game. As Tom said, it, it very much had that sort of backdrop to it. Um, and we were a little bit messy at times at the back. It was like a, you know, I don't know, there were just so many holes in our defence. We were like a crumpet but much better in terms of creativity. Um, we just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net as per usual. And yeah, it, it was weird, wasn't it? Because we scored, then they scored, then we hit the crossbar, then they hit the crossbar. It was like, whatever you could do, we could do as well. It was very strange. But yeah, it came to life in the second half. We just, as per usual, typical Borough, we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net when when it really mattered. Um, in the end, though, to be fair, I think it was a fair result given the chances that we had and then the chances that they had as well. Mm. Borough... Um, Borat, crumpets, handshake, halls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think with that performance as well, then it was, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it was topsy turvy in that second half. And the possession, we've always said, I think we've always said this podcast, although you can have as much possession as as what you want, but it's what you do with it. Um, But Tom, it was a different test for us because we're not really used to sides playing with that much possession um, and trying to wear a team down. For me, I think Swansea could have moved it a little bit quicker at times, but they didn't. Um, but how do you think Borough, Borough coped? Because Dana said we've coped it quite well at times. Yeah, I think we did. Um, went into this game expecting it to be tough. They are a, you know, they're a good possession side. I think they're one of the best sides I've seen come to the Riverside this season. Uh, and, and that was a you know, very difficult game when they did. And 
Obviously, yesterday was a, a slightly different channel, uh, challenge than having the uh, the home advantage, but I, I did think we uh, we coped with it well. Um, what Dan said about uh, Ryan McGreece and we should have been kind of more aggressive in the press. Um, I do kind of agree that we we could have been at times, but all that was going through in my mind when they were having so much possession of the ball was kind of the. Um, the old uh, Barcelona kind of philosophy of like move the ball, wear the other team down, and then break them down. So I, was like, I don't want to score kind of over the top with this. Um, but I think that obviously there were there were times where we should have pressed a little bit more. But uh, on overall balance, I think we did enough to kind of cope defensively with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think we we had to change it up in the second half because um, if it had kept up kind of being uh you know very high possession on 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 their side uh that that game probably would have only ended up one way well we did chop and change it in that second half and we scored within a minute uh Riley McGree with a, a deflected a deflected shot uh going at the top bins but Tom were you impressed by Borough with the way that they set up the traps on throughout the afternoon especially when a team likes to play off on the back it's important that you, you do set them up and try to to get them into a bit of false sense of security. Um, but were you happy with the way that Bora helped them make a mistake? Yeah, definitely. I, I always, um, I mean, I mean I'll say always, since Wilder came in, I've, I've enjoyed us playing against these other teams that actually like to try and play football and have this sort of style. And, and that trap for the, the goal was was reminiscent for me of the one against Forest at the Riverside where we, we kind of like forced the error and it ended up being an own goal. Um, you know, it, it, it was um, it, it was set up to, to be kind of like a really interesting game, kind of kind of like a chess match in terms of the the possession. Uh, as soon as McGree got hold of that, uh, got hold of the ball, I thought he kept hold of it too long. I thought he should have shot a little bit sooner, and then obviously it helped off, uh, off the bar on the way in. Um, hell of a hell of a first goal for him, but um, yeah. I think the uh, the possession trap was obviously instrumental in that, and like I say, I, I think with the these teams that play possession style against us, I feel like we do fairly well against them. Uh, you know, setting that up, up so it makes it more difficult for them to play off from the back. Yeah, absolutely, and we we could have made it two nil within about a minute afterwards, and end up going. Well, go on, we'll draw on level because uh, they went the other end and, <laughs> and equalised. Um, but Dana, how were Swansea able to catch Borough out? Because it seemed like we should have been doubling our lead. Everything looked ro- good, rosy. And then next thing you know, you level again. So are you disappointed in the way we've conceded that goal? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're on the attack. We win the ball back from not straight from kickoff, but shortly after it. We're on the attack and there's there's a turnover possession. There's actually three key moments, I think. There's the save from Andy Fisher, Marcus Tavernier's shot. There's Housen's attempted tackle on Joel Perot. And then there's Paddy McNair's sort of half press. Now, our defensive line, I can only assume that Bamba is about where he should be. But because of our advancing centre-halves in, obviously, Paddy McNair and Anthony Dykesteel, they were on the attack. They're coming back from that. They're playing catch-up, meaning that he's the deepest. But I just go back to to Andy Fisher's save. I mean, obviously, I would have preferred Tav to have put this in the in the bottom corner or the top corner or just in the back of the net. But the way that it transpires, I would have preferred it if he'd have spooned it straight out of play, as we've kind of seen from Tav, because 
the way that it happens is that Andy Fisher saves down low with his knee and it turns out to be quite a quite a good but unintentional pass to Kyle Norton and they work it around our defence. Now, this is probably what accelerates it. The tackle in the centre circle, Housen on parole, he kind of tries to swipe him but misses. So it basically takes Housen out of the game and parole already has a few yards on him to be able to pick out the, the pass to Michael Obafemi, who is already in, in space because Paddy McNair seems to come out, but he doesn't really commit to the press. It's almost a half press. So he comes out and what he does is he leaves quite a big space in behind him. And you'll see what Michael Obafemi does is he moves around the back of, of Bamba, but ends up finding that space in the area that McNair would have been in had he not kind of half committed to the press, shall we say. Um, and he, he moves into that space. It's really good because he takes it inside Bamba. And this is a really good set of forward play, I think. He uses his strength and he's able to find that that gap, if you like, to shoot. And obviously what happens, happens. He puts it back where it came from and he scores. And I'll tell you what, for, for Michael Obafemi, I know we don't really talk too much about opposition players, mm-hmm. but for him, I think watch out for him next season because I would expect him to be right at the top of the goal scoring charts. I expect him to probably get around 20 goals next season. I think he's a very good striker and we gave him that opportunity, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And with strikers like him, he's going to take it. But yeah, really disappointing in those three moments where obviously Tav doesn't score. I think he should work the keeper a lot more than he does. Um, Housen's kind of tackle. It's, it, he is aggressive in it, but he just doesn't, you know, he obviously doesn't win the ball back. He loses that duel. Um, and then Paddy coming out to press doesn't, he isn't, doesn't really have the conviction uh, in the press to to fully commit to it. Leaves the space in behind, which Michael Obafemi mm. uh, takes advantage of. It's really unfortunate. Obviously, we had just scored. So, I mean, we were all excited that Riley McGree had, had scored and then <laughs> we conceded. But yeah, really disappointing. Yeah, and I think just to add to that as well, I'm just going to quickly just bring the image back up. I think Obafemi here, like where... When I'm looking at his body, I think it's maybe the, the next image. Uh, his body shape here to try and get him behind. I think he's just got into that space between the centre halves of of Bamba and Dykesdale. And I think where he's got into that space, he's pretty much pulled. I think yeah, pretty much pulled three of our three out of our four uh, defenders towards him. And it has created, like you were saying there, didn't it? It has created that gap, that little pocket of space from there. And they've made, they've punished us really. And I, I think it's such a poor goal to concede. I think given that we've we can be so defensively sound at times and the way that a little simple movement off the ball is, is tearing like that centre half apart. I think it's quite disappointing, but it's, it's a game that we can't really complain about because we did have a lot of chances uh, throughout that game. Um, and that, within that second half, then uh, I wanted to sort of like Tav, he's, he's one, uh, you've got Spira, you've got Dykesdale, you've got Connolly right at the end. Why is, is finishing chances Boris still Achilles heel. I think it's because we just don't have anyone in the squad that's that's clinical. I mean, Spira was a one in three striker, I think, in his career, which is which is fine. But Sporting fans did warn us that he's quite erratic uh, in front of goal. And then Connolly, one goal in one thousand two hundred minutes is incredibly poor. Um, we just don't have anyone, to be honest, the the striker that's probably the most clinical out of a lot of them is Balogun, but he's only shown that clinical ruthlessness in in the PL2 in under-23 competitions. So, yeah, it's it's infuriating, isn't it, that this is just happening time and time again, that Borough can't seem to get somebody that you can really be confident in. 
finishing their their chances and converting them uh, into goals. It's the goal question, really. But I think the answer to it this season is that we just don't have anybody that has that clinical kind of attribute in their game and have had that in their careers. Mm. He's got a score there at the end, hasn't he, Tom Connolly? Opens his ball. He takes it down, lovely. You know, opens his body up well. Inside of the post and now oh, he's got a score, hasn't he? It seemed to go in slow motion. Like as soon as he got that ball, I only thought that was ending in a goal. <clears throat> and then as it's as it's uh, rolling towards the goal, just see it going going further and further away from the inside of the post and heading towards the uh the outside of it. I'm like, oh no, it's 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 hitting the post. This it's just gonna roll out and so that's that's what it did. Yeah, you, you have to do better with with those chances. Um, but I, I mean, I can see what he tried to do in terms of placing it. It's just he's uh, he, he's probably not got the the best connection on it. I did think on first glance he was under a, quite a bit of pressure, and that might have forced a, a bit of an error on his shot. But on on watching the replays, it didn't look like he was under too much pressure. So I think it's just uh, I don't know, bad bad, bad choice maybe or. When his body shape is, he leans too far to his, his his left hand side. So when he's done that, he's kind of just he's probably put it too wide. He's, he's made his body too wide, and he's obviously put it in that in that direction. But then I think you look, you didn't look uh, too best pleased there when we were. I was actually uh, going to slightly disagree with Tom. I actually think Kyle Norton gets back and puts him off ever so slightly. I think he might even get a, a tiny touch on it. But yeah, I mean, he does everything right, doesn't he? It's a fantastic ball from a grey over the top. And then he takes it down really well. And to be honest, we've seen a few opportunities where strikers or Borough players in general have had the opportunity to take a good first touch and they haven't. And it's just completely trampling out of play or straight back to the to the opposition. But he, he does well to take it under his spell. But yeah, you should. I think any other striker in the championship or most other strikers in the championship, I think, would have the conviction to put that in the back of the net. It's... Um, I don't want to defend him too much because, to be honest, he's just not really been particularly um, effective for us since he since he's come in. So you don't really have the confidence anyway that you could put that in the back of the net, even if he didn't have that sort of touch from uh, from Kyle Norton. But yeah, it's um, it was just one of those, wasn't it? It did go in slow motion, hit the post, and uh, that was the chance. It was the chance, and yeah, really, really frustrating that that didn't go into the back of the net. Okay, then. And last question before we move on to questions. Uh, fair result draw then? Yes or no, Tom? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was. Obviously, it's it's disappointing not to, to get a win. But, you know, when we were back in what, like what, end of February and we we're looking at the running, Bournemouth away and Swansea away were two games where I was thinking these are going to be really difficult for us and we'll do well to come away from them. Uh, you know, with, with a point, and we got two points from from both games. In context, because we've lost all the home games around it, it's uh, it's it's not been. You know, we, we could have done with the three points a little bit more. It might be a little bit more disappointing in terms of the league. But had we won those home games, that would have been you know hailed as a a pretty good result. So yeah, it, it was it was fair result yesterday. I'd, I'd say it's. Uh, Obviously, not disappointed not to get the win, but uh, I, I think we've done done well to go there and get a point. Okay, Dana, would you would you wholeheartedly agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, as I said, we had the chances; they had the chances. One-one, probably, probably a fair result. Yeah. 
Okay, then that makes three of us then. Well, let's move on to questions then, because this is the, your chance to ask us questions on the podcast, and you can submit them via Twitter, um, email at theboarbreakdownhotmail.com, or you can join our Telegram chat, and that has a whole, over 170 Borough fans in there chatting everything about the Borough. And we also have separate chats in there if you want to talk about like sports or like championship or whatever, or even the Wobbly and Goblin. If Matt Bowler is six foot one, which he absolutely isn't. <laughs> But it was still a fantastic conversation, nonetheless. Yeah, it was. Is Mark Baller six at one? <laughs> Only Mark Baller will know. Um, so, the first question of the day, and it's from Chris Coyle. Um, and he says, we need to talk about how well Daniels has done since coming in for Lumley. Superb again today. Tom, would you agree? Has uh, Daniels performed superbly well since he's came in? I maybe stop a little bit short of saying superbly well, but I, I think he has done well. Um I think I had my doubts over over him based on his spell in goal earlier in the season. Um, I spoke about it on on here before, where I was like, I, I maybe a bit hesitant about dropping Lumley, even though even with his bad form. But to be fair to Daniels, he, he's coming. He's looked a, a bit of a different keeper, although he was earlier in the season. And you know, whatever he's uh, he's doing is is working for him. So yeah, just uh, hope there's more of that to come from him. Okay, and the next question is from Michael Sullivan. It's from it's via email. He says, Zach Hemmings, uh, we have a kid who is regularly uh, pl- regularly playing well uh, at Kilmarnock. Is he a candidate for a first team keeper next season? 22-year-old and 15 clean sheets. I mean, I think with Bora being in the market and it, for a goalkeeper, he's got a full pre-season there. Who knows? But I think for a 22-year-old goalkeeper, um, you just need to start playing games. And can we guarantee that? I'm not too sure. Um, but... 15 clean sheets, winning that pretty much going to be going up with Kilmarnock this season. He's done superbly well uh, for his first loan deal as well. Well, first big loan deal um, playing professionally. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's let's, let's see what happens. But I think it'd be quite unlikely. I think with Borough looking and really trying to force a hand um, in the market for a goalkeeper. Um, the next question is from Pete Singh. Uh, and he says, what has Balogun done wrong? Um, obviously, Balogun hasn't been getting in the squad as of late in terms of the first 11. Um, but he does have that best conversion ratio. Dana, why, what has Balogun done wrong? God knows. I'd love to know the answer to that question as well, Pete. I think surely he must not be impressing in training. That's the only thing that I can really think of because Chris Wilder wanted him at Sheffield United, I'm pretty sure. So he's been big on Balogun. And I would have thought he'd come on yesterday before Connolly and Spira, and he didn't come on at all. And that's really, really disappointing. He's still technically our most informed striker when it comes to goals per game. And it's disappointing that he's not getting a run in. Um, I would like to see him alongside Corburn. I think it's either Corburn and Watmore or Corburn and Balogun for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see him the next game. I really would. I, I like Balogun. Um, obviously, he's a young player. He's raw. He's absolutely not probably about even 20% the way to, to be in his full potential. But he's got something about him and I quite like him. So I'd, I'd like to see him, but I don't know what he's done wrong to, to not get into this team at the moment. Yeah, uh, I really like Balogun as well, Dana. Um, big advocate of him. I think he's a, a technically wonderful footballer um, and he's going to be a very, very good footballer as well. I think if he has the game time to to do that, you can see his, his talent and abundance. But again, just hasn't had that. Well, he has had opportunities at times, but 
I think the more he's played, I think the better he's starting to get as well. Um, but let, let's see. Let's see what he does. Um, but I think he hasn't done anything wrong, in my opinion. But let's see if he can get in for Wednesday. Um, next question is from Danny Beermont. He says, who would you sacrifice and sell out of McNair, Fry and Tav? Who would be more easily replaced? Um, Tom, do you want to take this one? It's a difficult one, this. I don't want to sound like I've just kind of got homegrown bias here, but I'd probably go with McNair out the three of them. I don't think I you agree. Take... I agree. I, I agree. No, I agree as well. I, I don't think you take Tav out of that team or, or even sell him. Uh, I think, you know, he, he's really come into his own since uh, since Wilder came in and he's been playing on the left-hand side of that midfield. Um, I think he's really upped his game and added to it. Fry, we've seen what he can do. In the um, especially in the FA Cup games where you know he's pocketed uh, Ronaldo and Kane and then unfortunately got bullied off Lukaku, but everyone's going to get bullied off Lukaku, so that's fine. I think McNair. Uh, we've spoke about it on here before that at that left sided centre back role, we need to replace him there for next season anyway with someone who's actually left footed, um, and then then you got him competing with. Uh, Dyke Steele on the right. I've said before, it, it does seem like he's kind of tailor-made for this system, uh, overlapping centre-backs and such, but I, I do think you'd probably be able to find other options who can play the same role, um, which I, I don't... I, I wouldn't say you couldn't for Fry and Tav, it's just we've got... I'd say they're better options in those positions than McNair is currently in his position. I do agree with that, Tom, because I think Paddy McNair is not one of few overlapping centre-halves in the EFL. He's one of quite a few. There's Harry Darling, Luke McNally. I mean, Oxford have a conveyor belt of overlapping centre-halves. They've had Rod, Rob Dickie, Rob Atkinson. I think Luke McNally is definitely the the next one, probably the one with with the, the biggest ceiling, I think, out of those three. Luke Wolfenden, Ronnie Edwards, Cal Naismith, Jack Watmore, Ross Sykes, Macaulay Gillespie, Jake uh, Clark-Salter, Lewis Motsma. There's, there's a few. There's quite a few players in the EFL like that. And I think Paddy McNair's a good defender, but I don't think he's as good as everyone makes out to be. And that's probably my unpopular opinion shelved right there. But and I certainly don't think that any player in this team is irreplaceable. But out of the three, I would I would say McNair as well. I mean, I definitely agree with that. Even if you're saying if it is an unpopular opinion, I, I bet he even likes cream eggs as well. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was you know what, Tom. It was uh, it was a bad opinion, and you you've paid the price this week, uh, especially in the Telegram chat. Um, <laughs> But I, I'd agree. I, I think I think McNair is probably more replaceable out of the three. Uh, we we do need I think that left centre back uh, nailed down for next season. And when we're looking at McNair in that position, it's not me saying that he's a bad footballer. I think McNair has a has a pivotal role in our team, and he still is a very very good footballer. And I think he brings a lot to us. But that left centre back role for me, if we're playing the style that we are, we need a left footer on that on that on that side. I think it's just when we pass it from side to side. <laughs> And sometimes he always has to stop, put it on his right foot, and then move the ball. Those split seconds where it kills the tempo ever so slightly, uh, I think that could be that marginal difference that we could potentially need. Uh, but McNair, look, he's a good player. Like We might see him moving that centre defensive midfield role. He can either move at the, that right centre mid role if, if we were to, say, sell Crooks next season. Uh, he could potentially move there. Or sell Piero, like one of the two. You know, he could it'd be a replacement for that. So, 
he's definitely got versatility in this game. Uh, but I think in terms of like replacing him, I think he's probably the easiest to uh, replace. Um, but speaking of replacements, our next question is on that theme uh, because Matthew Rowney sends us a, a question of saying, let's say Spencer sold for 15 million. He was linked with Brentford uh, as of yesterday, 15 million pound as well. Everyone's after Jed Spence, um, apart from Manjaro's, uh, where he just wants Manjaro's. Uh, um, he said, you've got 15 million uh, and you're given all that money to reinvest. Who would you buy? Uh, we've we've compiled the list ourselves um, so we can break it down each. Uh, who wants to go first? Dana, do you want to go first on this one? Sure thing, yeah. I mean, I've spoken about him a few times on this podcast, but Nathan Baxter, I mean, we need a goalkeeper. I think he's a very good all-round goalkeeper, good with his feet, good shot stopper, good at commanding his box, good distribution. I'm assuming he'll be available from Chelsea. Of course, he's on loan at Hull from them. Hull actually have two very good keepers in Matt Ingram and Nathan Baxter. Um, Some clubs are lucky I suppose but I'll definitely bring him in um, I've also mentioned Connor Grant on the podcast a few times um, left wing back from Plymouth seven goals four assists this season I feel like we need playmakers out wide and he would be fantastic for that role you can kind of see him maybe reuniting with Ryan Lowe at Plymouth though, um, at Preston though so we'll see maybe where he goes, if Plymouth go up or not. But Kane Wilson as well, right wing back. He's out of contract in the summer, I believe. Three goals and 13 assists this season. Again, tying into the playmaker role that I think we need on the on the wings. Um, Collie Woodrow makes an appearance in, in all of our lists. I think we, it will be brilliant. Um, he's a player I think should be at a club challenging for, for promotion and definitely not in League One. Playing as a as a second striker, he could play as a number 10 as well. So if we play with a 3-4-3, we have a, you know, like we've seen Sparrow in the hall, I think Carly Woodrow would be fantastic uh, with that, in that position. And Cameron Archer as well on loan. Um, if he doesn't go back to Preston, I think he would be a brilliant sign in a clinical striker with a, with a quite high ceiling as well. But also someone that played incredibly well against us this season that I probably should have mentioned maybe last week or the, the week after, uh, the week before, sorry, but Carlton Morris of Barnsley. He's got seven goals and three assists this season. Absolutely bullied our entire backline at Oakwell. And there's a tweet from Callum Cooper, who's a Barnsley core commentator, and he says, Carlton Morris was already so influential, but he's got even better and he's vital to how we play. His pressing ability to hold the ball up and technical abilities are top and he's now showing great instincts in the box, a complete forward. And I think that's exactly what we need to complete forward somebody who can make the ball stick sustain a bit of pressure bring others into play and is somewhat clinical um in the box as well so a good list that because there is some overlap in, in in my list but tom do you want to uh give yours yeah i mean i've not spent that full 15 mil so we're still set for january when uh we're looking <laughs> off the base and we need to strengthen again but um i'm starting off with andy rinamorta from Redden. I've mentioned him on here before. Uh, similar kind of stats-wise to Johnny Housen, plays the same position, uh, but obviously about 10 years younger, so we'll get a lot more kind of like long-term uh, from Rinnemorta. Uh, I'm doing a raid on Barnsley because they've gone down, so Corley Woodrow and Callum Styles, uh, Callum Styles to, uh, well, I'd, I'd say provide competition for Bowler, but he could realistically be our starting left wing back and Corley Woodrow and you know as as is on all our lists we we know why mm. we'd we'd want him up front. Um Liam Kelly from Motherwell as our goalkeeper. 
Um, good, good shot stopper, but extremely good at distribution, uh, which I think is something that we're we're lacking at the moment. Uh, Malik Wilkes from Hull, and I'm also rating Hull as well because I'm going for Malik Wilkes and Jacob Graves. <laughs> Yes, we, we are absolutely hammering the football league, aren't we? So I thought I would go abroad uh, with mine. Uh, but I think yeah, there is overlaps on mine. I think Nathan Baxter, Conor Grant and Coy Woodrow appear on mine. Uh, but the three other players that I've went for is uh, Jamal Lowe at Bournemouth. Uh, I think with Bournemouth potentially going up, if they do go up, I think they'll look to invest in the forward line and you could potentially become available. Um, I think... So this is where I go abroad uh, and go on my beloved Anderlecht in uh, the Belgian league. Uh, big, I'm obviously a big uh, follower of, of the Anderlecht. And I think Josh Cullen in centre defensive midfield um, would be a really, really good fit. I think the 26-year-old, um, he can play in centre defensive midfield and centre mid. And he's been really pivotal in the way that Anderlecht have played this year, especially on and off the ball. He really does dict- dictate the play um, and is good at, Really, really good at interceptions. Um, I think what we found since uh, Vincent Company changed from like a three at the back to a four, um, to a four at the back, and it went to a four-four-two. It's just that uh, Cullen's just been so influential in trying to be that holding midfielder and trying to get them uh, playing and keeping possession. I think it's really pivotal um, in how they play. Then also a left centre half in Wesley Hoyt. Um, he used to play for Southampton, and then he's also went to Anderlecht as well. Um, left foot centre half, really really good on the ball. Um, I think the only downside to him is he's a little bit slow. Uh, I wouldn't say like like absolutely like got uh, about fifty kilo on his back and he's and he's walking <laughs> and he's running, but um, he's he's a bit slower than the probably uh, than a, like a McNair, but. I think his positional play is really, really solid. Premier League experience, um, and he's playing good football this year. And it's it's no surprise for me that Anderlecht have done very, very, very well this year. And hopefully, though, I think they're playing this weekend um, in in the playoffs for the title. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they can do that. Uh, and then that's kind of my list. I think to be honest, I think I think it's a good list to have for all from all of us. I think football league is probably the way to go for us. Um, but if we can try and get those Wesley Hoyt and, and Colin both. You know, had English football experience um, too. I think it could be a, a good list, but either way, I think it's a really, really exciting summer for Middlesbrough, regardless of what division they're in. But our final question of the day is from Ian Smith, and he says, Is falling short of the top six a disaster? Um, could argue we've killed it for ourselves after the position we were in, but realistically, we didn't feel we'd need to even be in with a shout when Wilder came in. It's all about perspective. So, is it the end of the world if? We don't hit the top six. Tom Tom and Dan, I'll, I'll let you both take it, but Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a disaster. Um, it's, like Ian says, uh, you know, we were nowhere near it when, when Wilder came in. He's done a hell of a job to to get get us to where we are. It's it's obviously frustrating the fact that we've got ourselves into good positions and uh, dropped out of it quite a few times, but that just seems like a very borough thing to do. It's happened quite a lot over the years, hasn't it? So, um yeah, I, I think it just means that we're we're probably able to rebuild next year and 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 go again. And uh, I, I I feel like we're going to see a lot of improvements next season because of of what we've had this season. Dana, there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, it's not a disaster, but it, it does, or it would feel like a missed opportunity because I feel like the championship is incredibly poor quality this season. I mean, Luton have had God knows how many injuries and they're still up there. Huddersfield, I think even their fans could probably argue that they were maybe on for a lower half finish because of their recruitment. And I, I seem to remember there was a lot of um, discontent from the fans to the, the kind of chairman and the upper situation at Huddersfield. They've cemented their their place in the in the top six. I mean, Huddersfield, in, uh, sorry, uh, Nottingham Forest during their worst start in 108 years, and yet they're in the playoffs. It's just I think that probably out of all of them epitomises how poor the championship's been this season. I mean, of course, Steve Cooper's done a fantastic job, but I just feel like if there were better teams in the division this year, the Forest wouldn't be in there. And I think Forest fans might. <laughs> I know I speak to Liam, who's a Forest fan, he probably uh, agrees with that as well. But yeah, you look at the teams that are coming down or potentially coming down next season, Everton, I would expect them to be uh, up there. Probably not Burnley, if I'm honest, if they if they go down. But then Norwich and Watford are usually up there, aren't they? So Norwich I'd expect Norwich, them yeah. to be the same, yeah. And then Coventry, there's likes of Coventry, I'd expect them to be in the playoff mix. Preston potentially with Ryan Law, Swansea as well. Some good teams there next season. So I feel like if we miss out this this campaign, it would be a massive opportunity squandered. Yeah, and I, when you were saying there, Dan, about next season, like this this Coventry side's a year older. They're a very, very young side um, under Mark Robinson. They're only going to get better. I think Swansea will look good next year. I agree with you. And Preston, they'll look, they'll look probably to strengthen. They've got a really, really good manager there uh, as well. And yeah, it's, I think I think next year could be a really really difficult season uh, for for Borough if they were to try and challenge 
But it is about perspective. I think this year we probably, I think Ian was right, we probably weren't going to be in the playoff places. I think we all predicted that Borough would finish out of them. And we'd we'd want improvement. We we outgrew a manager. We've got a really good one in and he's doing ever so well with what he's got. And he's, of course, he's not, he's not prone to, to mistakes or to people like, you know, saying that he, he could do things better. But I think we've got the, probably one of the best managers in the league now, a squad and potentially finances to really back us next year. And also we've got this project as well, which is, could be two, maybe two years down the line where we could see the, probably the fruits of it. But it's such a bright, bright future for the club, a much more sustainable one and a, and a way that we're going to bring players in and try and sell them for profit rather than bringing a Rudy Gestead and waste a lot of cash. Um, but let's move on uh, to the prayers and place now because the prayers and place is the place where we like to give praise to players, staff, dinosaurs, Easter eggs, you name it. We'll give the praise. dinosaur always worms its way into that little lead up, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And every time I think you're talking about Peerless. <laughs> 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 I could think, you never know. Um, but who gets your nomination for the Praise and Place this week? Appreciate last week we didn't have anyone uh, appear in the, the Praise and Place. Um, Dana, do you have a nomination this week? I do, yeah. It's Riley McGree. I thought he was really good. I mean, there's been a few maybe criticisms of Riley McGree, which I don't quite mm. understand, um, to be honest. He's shown in glimpses that he's got some good quality about him. I really like his technique. The the way that sort of um, that he dinks the ball over for Connolly uh, yesterday. I thought the technique of that pass was was really good. Really want to see more of that. Uh, but he was excellent in the game. Three key passes. The most in the Borough team, better only by Matt Grimes uh, overall. I thought he was creating um, some opportunities, and he was probably unlucky that he didn't end the game with a goal and an assist. At least, um, I thought he was really good in the game yesterday, and hopefully, we could see more more of that from Riley McGree. Makes it two for me, Dana. Riley McGree for, for me was fantastic yesterday. Really good player, really really good player. Um, I, I, I had mystified as well, Dana, around like the the clamours for him after two or two or three games in a Borussia standard uh, standard Borough fan behaviour at times. But <laughs> I think I think he's a good player. We've picked him up for pennies. And he's he's going to be a talent for us for sure. Uh, big big fan of his. Um, Tom, are you going to make it a hat trick, or are you going to go elsewhere? I am. I agree with McGree. So um... <laughs> you were building up to that, weren't you? McGree, he was smirking in the background. <laughs> yeah, literally as soon as you said McGree, I've just been thinking of that. But um, <laughs> now, like like Dan said, he was unlucky not to get an assist yesterday as well as a goal and. I think it's taken him a little little while to get going again after his injury. I think he, he has maybe, I, I wouldn't say looked off the pace because there's been players in the team who have been more guilty of that than him. But he, I, I don't know, he, he didn't kind of quite seem back to his best uh, as he was kind of before. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say yesterday was uh, probably his best performance yet in a, in a Borough top. And um, yeah, hopefully continues. I hope it continues for Wednesday because Borough welcome Steve Morrison's Bluebirds uh, to the Riverside. A massive game for us with a game in hand, of course. Uh, Dana, we haven't got anyone to give us a, a, a Cardiff perspective this week, uh, but who should we look out for? Yeah, It's an interesting one because I feel like they're in a little bit of a 
weird situation that obviously they're safe <clears throat> excuse me and they're experimenting a little bit there was uh, a youngster called Oliver Denham who played in defense in in a 3-5-1-2 against Sheffield United that impressed um, they've had Max Waters up front as well they actually ended that uh, Sheffield United game with an average age of of 23 so <clears throat> excuse me there's a there's a lot of i suppose turnover from cardiff i would expect um a bit of a rebuild for for steve morrison but you know what? I'm, i'll say oliver denham and, and max waters just because of their performances against sheffield united by all accounts they were very good um but yeah they're, they're a side to look out for in terms of set pieces we face huddersfield who are the kings of set pieces uh two games ago but according to who scored cardiff have scored 15 goals from set pieces this season which is the joint fifth most uh borough by the way are on nine this season um yeah, i don't know yeah. that's more like i don't it. know where those <laughs> nine have come from honestly our corners we've scored two corners this season i think bristol city and preston um, I remember that Preston game actually because I turned to Tom and I was like, bloody hell, we scored from a corner. And it was a really good corner at uh, that as well um, from Howison. But yeah, I kind of expect them to come up the Riversides and sit back, similar to the whole game. Um, if you, I, I looked at the, the possession that they had against teams challenging for the playoffs away from home, 46% against Sheffield United, which is actually a fairly big portion compared to 28% against QPR, 27% against Huddersfield and 37% against Millwall. So I kind of expect it to be a turgid affair, much like what it was against Hull. But what I really want to see from Borough is if that happens, I want us to see, uh, I want to see us move the ball quicker and maybe just take more shots. I know it sounds really simplistic, but you know, you never know what happens. I think Dylan Phillips has got a mistake in him for sure in the Cardiff goal, but also it kind of makes players stick to the, the player that's shooting potentially and, and forces them to maybe close them down, leave gaps out wide. So we could potentially, um, oh, I'd like to see that, uh, but I feel like it will be a similar game to the whole one. I, I, I probably agree with you on that one, but just a quick, quick, quick question, Tom, before I go, a uh, quick point out before you go to your form, Tom. Um, how, how outrageous are our set pieces being the last few games, by the way? Alan Nil has been on that training ground and is developing some outrageous set pieces. Uh, you know, there's there's runs at the, fo- the front post, runs to the back, there's, some, there's a bouncing ball somewhere. It's, it's just, I just don't know what we're doing, but it it looks good. Um, but we I swear just, we, we didn't we, move for one of them yesterday, though. <laughs> yeah. I swear no one moved. I, I, like, the ball came in and I just said to my dad, did we? Li- did anyone literally move for that one? Like I swear we didn't. <laughs> Just yeah, taking a by piece. surprise. <laughs> yeah. Something the least expect. You know, off like you know, off like Ted Lasso at the end, like to uh, <laughs> the NFL set piece. Like, that is like happy. Like we're going. It's just, I like, can't I wait. We why. score a goal and celebrate by doing NSYNC. Bye bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like it's under the radar. I feel like if there was Johnny's under the radar moment of the week, um, our set pieces are becoming that under the radar moment of the week. Just, they're just, just outrageously, it's just daft. I don't know. But anyway, Tom, form, uh, how kind of performing? Um, poorly. Uh, so they've only, right. won, <laughs> they've only actually won one in five. Uh, so going back to the start of April, they got hammered off Swansea 4 0. Uh, then went away to Reading, beat them 2-1, then lost 2-1 uh, away at Hull, uh, 1-0 at home to Luton, and then lost yesterday 1-0 away at Sheffield United. But 
the interesting thing about the last couple of games against Luton and Sheffield United, they have more than held their own stats-wise. Uh, you look at the um, possession stats from yesterday, they only had 45% possession. Like There wasn't too much difference in it. Uh, Sheffield United had seven shots. Cardiff had five. I mean, four were on target for Sheffield United, uh, but but one from Cardiff. And then looking back the the game before that against Luton, uh, Cardiff actually had sixty three percent possession in that game and managed to lose one nil. Um, but outshot Luton thirteen to ten and had three shots on target each. So the form might be a little bit deceiving here because it, it looks like stats wise they are actually. Uh, playing okay, it's just they're uh, they're probably just getting undone by bits of quality at the moment. Okay, then. So with them being out of form, then Tom, but you say you both said they they can hold their own in terms of quality. What is your prediction? You know what? I'm going to be like really optimistic for this one and say three one, and I'm going to go that one goal for them is going to come from Jordan Hugel because he just <laughs> lo- loves a goal against us. <laughs> um. But no, I, I think this we finally ended our our goalless streak uh, yesterday, and hey. I, 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 <laughs> I can I can just see us getting a big result out of one of the two home games before the end of the season, and I would think it's Cardiff more than Stoke, which is is likely to be that game. Okay, then Dana, what are you going to go for? I think it'll be tight. Um, I know we scored, but it was a massively deflective effort. I'm not sure if it had gone hey, in they all count. anywhere. They do, yeah. But, I mean, we got a little bit of help there from Carl Norton. But, um, I, yeah, I think it'll be tight. I'm probably going to go for a 1-0, and I'll take that. I'll take that every day of the week. 1-0 Borough, by the way, not Cardiff. <laughs> okay, 1-0 Borough. You have one goal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A 3 1 for Tom. I'm going to go uh, 2 0 Borough, I think. I think we'll win 2 0. Not much confidence John, in that one, Johnny. John, John Hugel, <laughs> double long goal. <laughs> uh, okay, then. Well, let's move on to Borough's uh, final home league game of the season, uh, where they welcome Stoke City to the Riverside next Saturday. The Potters have had a mixed season under uh, boss Michael O'Neill, but to find out a little bit more, uh, we reached out to Ben from the YYY Files to give us a bit more insight. Hey up, guys. My name's Ben. I'm from Stoke City Podcast, the YYY Files. What am I saying about Stoke? Well, the last time we played, I think it was December, we were in two very different places. Stoke were in the playoffs, or at least around there anyway, from memory. Um, and it would have been the start of our decline at that point. We've dropped. Having a great start to the season, we've dropped well down in the table, well down to bottom half. And Michael O'Neill could have got sacked a few games ago. We've had a terrible run of form from around January to probably the majority of March. But then it seems to have all changed again. In the last seven games, we've won five of them. You can tell from my hoarse voice that I've attended a few of them. Um and we look a completely different side. I don't know what's happening. We're the form team in the division with five wins from seven, as I say. And we just find a way to win games. And it's just so frustrating considering that I think if we'd have won our recent games against Reading and Bristol City, which are, I think they were the other two games in those last seven, then we'd be within touching distance of the playoffs. Unfortunately, that's mathematically impossible now. But... Rather than a season of complete frustration, 
it'll be a season of what if, what if we'd have won a couple of extra games. And that is Stoke City season in a nutshell. We, we're probably going to come very close. But, of course, it sets us up nicely for next season and we'll see how we get on in our last two games. We've got yourselves and Coventry. Um, and it's interesting that in the last four games we played, I think, 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th in the table. How we set up? So, yeah, to be honest, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I can't really say how Stoke set up game by game. We do seem to change it up. It's either a four-two-three-one or it's a... 3-5-2, I guess, or something like that anyway. Uh, we seem to have opted for the 3-5-2 recently, and I think we'll stick with that. Um, so you're likely to see Joe Bursic in goal, who's come back after a few games out, looking to prove himself ahead of next season. Probably Ben Wilmot, Phil Jagielka, who's <laughs> approaching 40 years old, and Taylor Harwood Bellis on him for Manchester City. Uh, you've got Tommy Smith and Josh Timing on either fullback. Uh, then you've got Lewis Baker, who's been, well, an incredible signing, really. I think he scored eight goals, and I think it's only Mitrovic who's scored more since Lewis Baker has signed for Stoke, which is unreal, considering when you think that Mitrovic is a bit of a freak, really, isn't he? Um, Joe Allen, who's approaching the end of his contract at Stoke, uh, it'll be one of Mario Vrancic or Romain Soares. It seems to have been the latter in the last few games. And then it'll likely be Jacob Brown and I, I don't know who else to partner him up from. Josh Madger, we've signed from on loan from Bordeaux and he's not scored many goals, but he seems to have been playing well. Stephen Fletcher's approaching the end of his contract. Tyrese Campbell was one of the best players in the division last season until he got injured. Uh, we've got a couple of loan strikes as well. We've got Jaden Philogene and Bidace. Um, for example, and then actually we've got uh, DiMaggio Wright-Phillips as well, who's had a bit of a breakthrough season, so it could be him. In terms of the players that I've just mentioned that you should look out for, I certainly think it's Lewis Baker that you should look out for, as I say. Ridiculous goal statistics. Um, and he seems to have been bossing the midfield too. He He's finally given Joe Allen the partner that he needs after having a really torrid six years at Stoke really just through not having a capable defensive partner with him Um, Baker seems to be doing it at both ends of the pitch so Lewis Baker for me has been our best player since January even through our rough patch thoughts on our game then well I think again if you'd have asked me about a month ago I'd have said you know this could be the game that Michael O'Neill gets sacked or he'd have been sacked already but like I say, we are the form team in the division now. And it's weird that I think that we're going to win both of our last games against yourselves and Coventry. And Stoke are going to have a really strong end to the season. We seem to be finding ways to win. Um, you guys are faltering yourselves from what I've seen, not doing so well. After such a resurgence under Chris Wilder as well, I, you know, you wonder whether speculation from the Burnley job has affected things. But, you know... It, I think you guys have a chance of making it over the line still, so it'll be interesting to see how many promotion parties we uh, disrupt this season. I think that's our aim now. That's our motivation anyway. So I'm going to go for a 
scrappy 1-0 Stoke win because despite winning five of our last seven, that's what they've been. They've been relatively scrappy wins. Um, and then we'll see how we go into the final game against Coventry, which will be, by all accounts, an exciting final day for everybody as the playoff race is really tight, isn't it? Thank you very much, uh, Ben. Uh, Saw five wins in seven. Uh, Farmer Boroloni, Lewis Baker pulling the strings and a good crop of players. Uh, ben said, why, why, why? He thinks uh, Stork <laughs> might win. Um, <laughs> uh, Dana, what is your predictions for the game? Mm, um, I'm going to say two... Mm, 2-1 Bora, I think. Um, I can't see us keep the clean sheet for some reason, um, especially not two on the bounce. So, yeah, I think 2-1 Bora. 2-1 Bora. Tom? Well, I think we're going to be on a high after we smash card at 3-1, so I'm going to go with <laughs> with 2-0 Bora. I'm going to go... I, I think it'll be scrappy. We'll have 1-0 lead, and then I think we'll get one like last five minutes or something to make it 2-0. Okay, I'm going to go with 1-0 Borough. And you never know, set up an exciting game for Preston on the final day of the season. But Borough do have a mountain to climb if they want to hit playoff peak. Guys, thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you very much for the listeners for listening. But this is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. <laughs>